So interestingly enough, I was talking to um, some people about a uh, trouble client I, I used to have worked with us for six months. And like the, the relationship was so bizarre and it went so extreme. Like my, my kind of like internal joke was like, oh, so-and-so has a cocaine habit. And I actually found out that was true. Yeah. And well, like, well, explained- well, I guess that was, that was your first trouble client. Like why was it trouble? This was my first, like, there might be legal ramifications to this trouble client. Oh, it was, okay. It, was, it wasn't just like they were needy. Yes, like there was enough that they were trying to come after us basically after like every penny they'd spent on the relationship, whether it went to Facebook, YouTube, or us. Okay. Like essentially. And it flipped from being like a great relationship to volatile so fast. And like so much of it was nonsensical because they were like, you did so-and-so without my permission. And I was like, I have it like literally verbally from you, like here in Slack to do X, Y, Z. Like always kind of joked this person was like, you know, on something. And then to find out that was true right before you and I <laughs> jumped oh, into that conversation. this conversation. I, I thought was so timely, like, cause like, it's always kind of a joke, right? Like it was like, I think it was school, school of rock when like Jack Black's like, Oh, the principal's on, on crack. Isn't she kids or whatever? Like, I don't remember what it was. Like, I remember that scene, like so-and-so is on crack. Uh, and then just to be like, oh, wow, like that person had a real problem and like was kind of enabled by his success, like for, for better or for worse. And like just having that conversation and then coming into you talking about what we're going to talk about today, I just thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, fire away. Let's get going. Let's get going. So Cody... Your background uh, a little bit to me because you're you're you own your partner in a actually a solar installation company right now, um, and you haven't always been involved in solar installation companies. No, it took me a while to get the confidence to do that. So <laughs> um, no, I did the whole I did the whole sales rep gig. You know, um, it's I don't know. I was thinking about this this morning. Actually, it's interesting, like how certain things in life prepare you, even though they don't think they're going to prepare you. So I think most mm. with sales reps, there's very few people that like, that's their career choice. We'll dive into that a little more, but like for me, it definitely wasn't like I was more on the academia side of things. Like I did really well in school and I really enjoyed school and I had a really good career path. And, uh, that just got not derailed in a negative way, but derailed in a positive way when it was, I, I applied to work for the NSA um, so my, my graduate wow. program was, in, yeah, so my graduate program was in North Korean studies. And so like I spent four to six, four years of my life, well, eight years of my life, but four of it dedicated to like North Korea. Um, yep. so like working with North Korea. Oh, go ahead. No, I was, oh, that was okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I like worked with North Korean refugees for a couple of years, like studied North Korean language, like history, like the cult, everything, politics. And, uh, so I went to a two year program for specific language and politics. It was funded by the federal government. Um, went to take my test interviews, passed them all. And, uh, 
then they gave me the notification like, hey, you got the job. I was like, oh, cool. I got, I got to work for, I got to be a spy, you know? But a spy, wow. as that defined is, they, I was in an interview and they're like, the best part about working for the NSA is you can't bring work home. Because if you do, it's treason. <laughs> yeah. That is pretty like, wild. That's not motivating to me. <laughs> and so, <laughs> scared the crap out of me. And so, uh, they're like, we have a, it's a, you got to do your background check. And for the NSA, that position, it was like a 10 year, like, crawl up your butt background check. And it takes a year to do it. And so while I was waiting for that year, I went and did sales because it was the only job that I could find that was like, yeah, yeah only, literally the only Didn't job. Care about your experience. Yeah. And so, uh, cause no one's going to like, I put North Korea on my resume and everybody's like, what the freak is that? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like only the government wants that. And so the, uh, I ended up doing really well. And so I just did the sales rep thing because that's like what made money. But I actually wasn't really fulfilled in that position. Like it was like I would go through these weird cycles of like super good production and like really bad. Like I wouldn't say depression because I don't like mm. depression sometimes. But it would just be like no motivation to do anything because I have a lot of money. And then the money run out and you do the, the whole thing again, right? And I was like, I got to like – I like the freedom I'm getting, but that freedom is not enabling me to be like actually happy and meet, have a meaningful life. I was like, well, what if I just do what I wanted to do is teaching. I wanted to go into teaching. So what if I just yeah. teach people the skills I know on how to like generate income for yourself? And that's when I got into like management. And then when I got into sales leadership, like real leadership, like running companies, this kind of connects to the back end is like I had spent like all these years studying North Korean government and mm. North Korean government does one thing better than anybody else. Is they do what's called human engineering. And so this is, this isn't a bad example. They've literally convinced like millions of people that like the outside world is the enemy and you need to live this certain lifestyle. Mm. And I know in the back of our mind, when we think about North Korea, we think like really super oppressive and it is oppressive. Don't get me wrong. It is oppressive. Like there's definitely, so definitely mess up things there, but like people that live there actually believe it. So whether we uh, agree with like the morality of it is people there a hundred percent buy into it. Like Kim Jong-un has like an 80% approval rating. And that's not like a fake up to number. That's not a fake number. That's like a hundred percent. When you talk to North Koreans, like they really believe it. Even ones that come right. out of it. They, the only reason they come out is because they're like starving. They don't come out because of most, most North Koreans, the, the ones that hit the news do, but North Koreans don't leave North Korea because they like have some ideological conflict. It's because like they saw lights on across the border of China and they're like, I'm hungry. I want food. They have food over there. So they just would walk across to go get food and then they would get stuck or like stay over there and figure out, oh, I can have a better life and they just move out. Right. And so. Wow. Which is cra it's crazy, up, right? And the podcast here, uh, recruit for recruitment ad for CR Solar. Uh, we run it just like North Korea. So if that sounds interesting, yeah, to you, go, yeah, go work with. So you. the uh, what what I learned what like I learned not like purposely, but like through all those studies is like okay, how do you take like an idea and then take hmm. that to actual like grassroots boots on the ground? 
and from top to bottom and from bottom to top, like implement a society and structure and culture that like pushes towards a goal, regardless of economic incentive. Yep. Like that's what North Korea has done. It's crazy, you know? And so when I got into like leadership roles, I was like, oh, I know all these frameworks from North State North Korea and not in a bad way. It's just like, oh, this is how you motivate people to work. You know, yeah. like you provide these kind of frameworks. This is now everybody, now everybody that's going to work for me is like, <laughs> he's just using North Korean <laughs> propaganda yep. and mind control. That's not Am really true. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for the next podcast. Am I brainwashed? <laughs> Five helpful tips. If you've ever worked for Cody Thiel. Um, just, just kidding. <laughs> but there's just there's just certain cultural and system things you can put into place that like help ever the team work towards a goal, and that's not just North Korean stuff. It's like sports leadership and all these other business leadership. You can put all mm. that in. But I was able to yeah. implement those like in business structure and grow, you know. And so for the last few years, I've done that for other companies, and I was like, why don't I just do this for my own company? Like instead of making other people money, why don't I just help me make money? <laughs> And it's working. Yeah. We're doing great. So. <laughs> so this isn't what we were talking about today, but I, I would be curious to hear, you know, why part, because I mean, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but you sort of chose a pretty like regional local installer. Like why go build there instead of like a nationwide sales org or EPC, like, why did you specifically choose where you are? Well, there's like practical number sides and there's like just practical, practical sides. So, so one, the, my business partner, Thomas Sims is like just honest to a T. He, so like, like there's a lot of different personality types. One personality type that is, that attracts sales is typically a self oriented or self serving personality type. Mm. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people in sales, their decision-making process is is built out of a how does this help me mindset, yep. which is how you do well in sales. Yep. Um, but it's also how you stab a lot of people in the back. And it's not that they're doing that out of a way to be dishonest. It's just like their core motivation. I get it. Um, there's other people that are like, I'm not saying it's binary, but there's other people that are, how can I just help others? Like there's the, there's the dude in the middle, like Jocko Willink has a story about this in, his, in extreme ownership, but there's a, there's a guy that like a, a grenade goes through a window and the one guy in the platoon jumps on the grenade. Like it's just his yep. instinct. Like he didn't, like there wasn't moments or time to think about that. He just thought, I want to die for other people. There's people yeah. like that in the world, you know? And so like Thomas Sims is like one of those people. Yeah, I'm one of those people. Mm. So I'm like pers personality wise, I'm not saying one's right or wrong or the other, but I'm saying for my personality, well, one can be wrong. Well, both, they both can be wrong in different ways, actually. But um, for my personality type, I need someone that's not going to take advantage of me because yeah. I'm going to give without thought of reward. But if I don't mm. get the reward, I get pissed. <laughs> so And so I need to work with someone that I can trust. It's that same motivator that's like going to sacrifice as their priority, as their instinct. Um, and then if you have that combination, you're going to work together. And, and, and to be honest, like a lot of larger sales orgs, that's not in their DNA. It's like mm. take first. That's in the DNA. Right. We don't want to build. I don't want to build that. I don't want to be around that because it's not, not that 
there's not a place for that, but it's just not, it, that doesn't jive right. The, the, there's, it's, it is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I think in a way like the opportunity, the gold rush of solar, right. Is like, you've got this really high value job. Uh, and like, you know, like a fair commission in sales, like across most companies. I mean, like what we pay our salespeople is about like 10% of like the value of what was sold. Right. And like, that's a pretty common thing, like across business structures. Like once you get into like really huge things, like it obviously pays less, like, you know, real estate's about like 6% and like, there's, there's other things like that, but. I, I think in solar, like, cause you had get people going from like pest, from security, from alarms, from satellites, like, which is where I came from. And, uh, it, it's almost like we spent 10, 20 years getting really good at door to door. And then this like really kind of crazy opportunity came in. And unfortunately like door to door sales is a place where, um, like in a lot of businesses, like good feedback loops are rewarded, but door to door sales is also a place where like bad feedback loops can also be rewarded yeah. for like that's the a, long, that's a, that's long a type of people. Vanilla way to push it, put it, but yeah. <laughs> mm, yes. Yeah. Cause like how many other industries are there? I mean, I can literally think of a company right now whose business practice has changed, they've changed their name once or twice since I've been in the industry and there's lawsuits after lawsuits after them. Um, like every time I see them, I'm just tickled pink, you know? So, um, it's wild. Like what is actually allowed in this industry? Like regulation is coming, but like it, it's, it's one of those industries right now where, you know, like bad behavior isn't necessarily super discouraged. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no penalty for it. Yeah. Kind of wild. So it's, you know, it's, I think the way you're thinking about building your business and your reps and stuff like that, I think, you know, there's maybe more than two types of solar companies there, but there's, you know, some people I talk to, you know, that are working with prospect bacon, or I'm just talking to them and it's like, you know, like I'm just here for a few years, like we're here for the money and then we're off for the next thing. And then there's people that are like, Hey, I want to build something. Uh, it's either purchased from me or that my like, grandkids are going to run. And like, it's, it's just, I think too often people get caught in the rat race of like, we need to build this. We need to build this fast. Let's get people with experience. And then you don't consider what kind of experience or training those people have had. And it just gets, ethics get uh blurry very fast yep yep cool so what would you say we talked about how like successful salespeople, you know almost have to really be into that i close the old ziggler thing like the ww or wifm what's in it for me um so like they're really tuned into that station. Right. And so, um, 
how would you say, because people are wired that way and it's not necessarily like, you can't say like, Hey, you're not allowed to be like, yeah, <laughs> the way you are. Like, what are like some tips for people or like for managing those people or for those people who might be listening that might be like a really highly motivated self-driven, but like all the drive is from self. Like, no. how, how so you, this is a funny story. I want to be careful. I want to try to mask this person as much as I can. because mm. I want to be sensitive about it. So sometimes like, we, we use the word names, this like really John or Henry or Matthew. Yeah. Quentin. Yeah. Rumpel. I want to say any of those names. Yep. Yeah. We'll call it anyway. Um, so this, uh, we, so this is a really charged word in our culture. And I think that's unfortunate, but like the word psychopath, right? Um, so when I mm. use the word psychopath, I don't use it from the sense of like, I hate this person because they're a bad person. So I'm just going to blanket that term. Like I use that term in this context as someone that like has zero remorse or, or not mm. zero, but very little remorse for decisions they make. There's just that, that like emotional, like, guilt or um, empathy or whatever, those things are very either non-existent or very, very small on the spectrum. Um, right. And so we had this individual that was like that <laughs> in a team I had. And at first you don't catch it because they're just, they're just a super high producer. Yep. And they're just, they're like, wow, like, how do they do so good? And you go in the hall with them and they're just like, they're focused, you know, they're just like, they're like a cheetah on the prey. And they can just not lose sight and they close deals and people ask questions and it doesn't deter them. And they're just relentless. And you're like, this is awesome. And then yeah. they start like, then they start like this, this one in particular um, was targeting married reps, spouses in like a seductive way. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So promiscuity is actually a sign of like psychopathy because um, <laughs> they thought it was a game. It was fun. <laughs> that can be a really like powder keg with the team, right? And he's and so like we have like decision to make multiple times. So <laughs> one time that I knew of, just one. So that is wild. Yeah, so that's like a huge, like for any, if I said that right now, everybody on this call would be like, you're an idiot for even thinking about having that person on the team. Right. Yeah. So from, at least from my perspective, I was like, well, let's talk to this person and figure out like what the actual, instead of just like blanketing the behavior, let's like talk yeah. to this individual. So we talked to this individual turns out, I didn't know this. It turns out, and they didn't know this either. And I, we never, I never like diagnosed, I'm not like a licensed clinician, but like if I, if I take down the, if I look at the list of psychopathy, like every single one, <laughs> it checks off. Yeah. Like, okay. This person's probably a psychopath. And so I didn't tell them like, Hey, you're a psychopath. It's like, Hey, why'd you do that? You know? And they just like tell their reasons with like zero emotion. <laughs> mm. And, uh, the other perpetrator when we talked about it, it's like red face, super guilty, you know, all this stuff. This person, none of that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's like, well, it's because of this, whatever reason, it's like, oh, so this person, like, instead of looking at this person like a problem person, it's looking at this person with a mental disorder. And it's not just their, it could be their fault, it might not be their fault. It's like, well, this person, like, they're still a human being. 
Like they still right. want to provide for themselves and for others in an opportunity. And they're going to go some, if I fire, they're going to go somewhere else. Right. And do the same damage if no one corrects it. So it's like, let's like sit with this person, have like a real conversation about like what's appropriate, what's not, where the lines are, where the lines are in writing. So it's really specific and then put them yeah. in a position to succeed. And so we did that. And wow. it's like, it's like, instead of like, you don't go to team meetings and they, they don't want to be around a team anyway. Cause like people with that, those tendencies, like struggle in social behaviors in the sense that or they don't struggle. Actually they thrive um, in the sense that they're very charming. They're good to get what they want, but then it's really destructive because it's like very self-oriented. So it's like, okay, yeah. you're not on a team, you're solo, right? Here's like what, when you can and can't communicate with people. And, but here's your goals and we're going to help you get them. And then we just got to stay with these parameters. As long as you stay with the parameters, we're good. And they did it. Yeah. They, they recognized they had a problem that that was damaging other people, even though they didn't feel remorse about it. They recognized it was not serving them. It wasn't serving the team. Yeah. They, they agreed to the parameters and they they crushed it, you know? And you so like for me, that was huge. Go ahead. That was, uh, what was that show, Dexter? Like the dude had a, <laughs> like his kid was a serial killer. How do I raise a serial killer and <laughs> let yeah. them function and thrive in this world? You basically did that for your sales rep. Here's the rules. Here's what you abide by, like uh, the code or whatever it was called. That is yeah, wild. You know, and it worked. Uh, so, and that's like a, that's a crazy story, you know? So that's what I'm saying. Like you can still like, have people that are self-serving as long as you have like an open dialogue about it and everybody knows mm -hmm. including that person, not just then like you can function well. I, yeah, again, this call not going the way I want to go. It's, it's interesting, Cody. I, I think something I have actually really enjoyed the past three or four years in solar is some of these bigger teams. I see, people really chasing wholesome models of leadership. Mm -hmm. um, and this isn't everywhere. Like I'm not saying this is like there's widespread goodness uh, in the world or anything like that. I tend to be more of a cynic, but you know, there, there is more thought to, you know, like door to door sales managers, like it used to be just kind of a thing, like just turn and burn them. And then like these larger teams and companies that are coming out, I'm actually seeing like a more wholesome, like, you know, people are trying to be lead. They are trying to be leaders. Like self-development is pretty like common and active, like in door knocking. And like, if a solar rep follows me on Instagram, I check out their account. I'm probably going to see something from like Ed Milet or like, Grant Cardone or Eric Thomas or like some of that like self-development has somehow like seeped pretty hard into sales. And, you know, it's, it's probably, uh, <laughs> it's really good and healthy, but it's, it's been, I actually loved hearing that story. Cause I can think of, you know, of the, the one or two like good sales managers I had in my career, I can think of eight that were very, self-serving what's in it for me. Like I was only as good as like the value I was yeah. bringing and like how many people would have just like written that person off, uh, or like not wanted to invest like into their team or team members that way. And so I think that's really, 
really interesting because uh, leading people is like a pretty big responsibility. Like here at Prospect Bacon, we're pushing 40 team members now. And that's weird for us because we're all virtual, all work from home, right? So um, we've got- How do you manage that like culture? Is it pretty, you have to be pretty proactive about it, right? That is, that is a funny question. Um, I had a good friend I went to two years ago and I said, Hey, I'm really like, I want to build this thing virtual. Like I'm already set on it. It makes too much sense. Like we need people with such weird skills. I think hiring locally would be hard. And I enjoy like the location freedom and the time freedom and blah, 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 blah. Of course we were like a fifth of the size we were now. And some days now I'm like, yeah, like an office somewhere would be nice. Um, like with the team, like not just an office for me, but the odd thing is like, we've done pretty well with building that culture. Uh, prospect bacon culture is pretty good on team. So we, I, I always kind of focused on like departmentalizing prospect bacon. So it was like, you know, this idea that like one person can't manage more than like four to seven people. Like we stuck pretty hard to that. And so like we started with like our leadership is it like I have a CEO um, who's basically like an upper leadership with me, but then we have five, six department heads now who each like own a piece or portion of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, they manage people directly under them. Um, and then we have a whole crew of 20 people in the Philippines who also like there's a leadership team there. They have team leads there and it, it's been more of like, how can we manage those kind of people? And it's weird. We've kind of just built this weird prospect bacon culture where like Greece is an adjective and it means something good and uh, a lot of puns. And I, I've wondered a lot of times, like, has it just been, like, how, how, did I just hire people I was naturally drawn to and, like, those people built good culture? Because I, I don't – great people how – do, how do I want to say this? This is, this is maybe, like, a good tombstone thought or idea. But, like, a really great person – like no matter how dynamic they are, doesn't automatically equal great culture. Like me leading a group of people doesn't equal great culture, but like me hiring really good people makes culture pretty easy. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah. Well, I like for me, I don't know if it was a North Korean thing or whatever, but like, (laughs) when I build a team or like build a company, there's like, there's two parts. There's a, there's culture and there's systems. So culture is something I've always looked at like a a tidal wave or something. It's like something inevitable, something you can't change. You can't like not, you can change it, but you can't like, it's always going, it's like gravity. It's always going to be there. Maybe gravity is a better example than a, than a wave, but basically like, so like if you just walk into if you're in high school and you walk into a group of kids, like they're going to have their culture that they just kind of like organically created together based off of yep. personality preferences, backgrounds, existing experiences, environment, all these things. Right. And so like, but systems are what like shape that like pot of that, like massive clay, right. The clay can just like, 
be there as it is in natural environment. But if you take a system, then you can like change that. So like one thing I've noticed, like you do with your system that you maybe, I don't know if you do it consciously, if you've done it consciously is like you're active on social media in a lifestyle mm-hmm. manner. And that's actually probably benefiting your internal, I'm talking my hands now. Um, yeah. I'm trying to shake that clay. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, that's actually probably benefiting your internal company way more than any external like benefits you're getting from that. Because like what's happening is, is if, if you were in like a normal work environment, that would happen organically because it'd be like, Hey, what would you do on the weekend? Well, I went camping with my family and my airstream or whatever. Right. But like, yeah. it doesn't happen if you don't do it purposely. So like one thing I make my leaders do, I don't make my leaders do it, but I highly encourage my leaders to do is post actively on social media, not mm. just for external recruiting. Cause I want yeah. our, cause our world, we're, we're all virtual too. I want my virtual, my employees to have that conversation happening without having to have it happen on a phone call like this every flipping day. Cause I have a, if I have a phone call, if I have a virtual call and make everybody come at a virtual call at nine o'clock as a check-in, they're going to hate yeah. me for that. But if yeah. I like make my, if I tell my leaders, Hey, like if you want to be part of your people's lives, just be on Facebook and you'll be in their pocket, you know, and you yeah. got to post that actively on stories and stuff. And then, then they'll get to know you and be familiar with you. And then that, then you have internal gains from a system of posting once or twice a day. That's, that's the system that affects the culture. Yeah. So for us, our Slack channel has kind of became its own social media network. I was actually really, it's yeah. really interesting because there are some like pictures and like posts and statements I do where I'm literally just like, you know, like, like it's an inside joke from a meeting or something like that. Like we, we had a guy who like his background, single guy, 24 living in California, his background was his closet, like open face closet. And it was just always immaculate. And so like, we, we would always joke about this individual's closet. Cause like what 24 year old dude living by himself has like a super organized closet. And so like he, he became like Marie Kondo. And so like for four months, like that was a thing, like anything Marie Kondo related, we would just tag this guy. It's like, Hey, blah, 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 blah. And so like, it's, it's weird. Like we almost created our own social media network in Slack. Cause it's sometimes it yeah. is like, like we post on social media. Uh, like you can use it for business, but like the main idea is like you are seeking approval of your peers, right? Like in a way. Um, and even like when you're posting for business, like you're still looking for that same like engagement. Is this working? Blah, 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 blah. But like, there's a real thing at prospect bacon to where people probably work way harder in Slack to be funnier, or like outgoing or to get a bunch of likes on what they write, like than they do yeah. like on a social media channel. And it's been really interesting to watch that like yeah. in a virtual team. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's a good one. Like we even have a baking channel, like uh bacon, baking, prospect baking. That's what we called it. Um, that's funny. Like, maybe maybe you're making chefs. one of the Slack now. Right now we're using Google yeah. chat. It's just not dynamic enough. I love so. Slack. Discord is maybe cool too. I, I don't know enough <sighs> about Discord, but there, there are some things like, 
we do like team game nights every two weeks. Um, have you seen those Jack in the Box like party games like Quiplash? Yeah, yeah. So you can play those virtually. If we use Discord, uh-huh. it would actually the stuff like that would integrate directly into it. Uh-huh. Discord's kind of made for gamers. Um, yeah, Slack doesn't have anything like that, so we do more ghetto ways to do stuff together as a team. But uh, either of those is is fun. Well, like ghetto, like I take this microphone and put it over my laptop speakers and share my screen. Like wow. that's the best way we figured out audio um, from that specific nice. game. But yeah, it's it's wild, dude. Culture, culture is like gravity. It's always there. It's the amalgamation of like all the flavors of your different teammates put together, right? Like mix like a milkshake or parfait or smoothie, whatever you, you know, mix together in a blender. And I, I think, I think people often, cause like how, how often do people get those like Actually, maybe that maybe that's a good follow up question. We kind of talked about this other, but like, how do you feel about like great employees who are bad culture fits or vice versa? I fire them. Hmm. <laughs> it's just like just gone. Just gone. It's like tolerance. Like, I there was a point in my career where I like maybe I got this from the Big Orange. Um, hmm. You just kind of wanted you just. You, you wanted as many people as you can get and just just sheer numbers brought production, right? You just threw money and t- money and time at it. And you just, and th- th- that's a successful strategy. They build a successful business off it. I can't bang it from an, like, I can't like trash it from an objective perspective. Um, mm. That's not my jive. I just like, there is some, there are probably like two years ago, not probably three years ago. I just got to the point where it was like, life's so short for like drama. Like I just, there's no place, but there, there's a place for it, but like at a certain degree, there's zero tolerance for it. So like if I, it's weird that confidence like made it so we could still outproduce my wildest goals, mm. but still like have a zero, like no tolerance for the crap, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I, Again, maybe people, other people see it differently or they experience it differently. I don't. Um, we had an individual like fairly recently that was just, again, they were striving to be a good person. Well, I want to be careful with this. So there's there's right people, there, there's right place, right people, and the right time. And for him, mm. he was he was he could have been a right person, could have been a right per right time, right person, but it was just not the right time in his like development. Like maybe like yeah. five years down the road, they'd be ready for this opportunity, but they just weren't ready for it. And it was yeah. like, and that's like that's why I told it like when we let this person go, I was like, told him, I was like, dude, like this is where we're at, and this is where we need people to be, and you're like right here, right now, and you, yeah. and, and and we tried to get you here, but you will not come here, like you won't do it. And so until you can get here, there's no place for you. You know, it's, it's not mm. that you can, can't be valued somewhere else, but that's just where we're at in our journey. You know, like yeah. to think of like analogies, like right now we're a bunch of pirates. Like I don't need a Navy guy. Right. You know, like if, if Commodore Warrington or whatever from Pirates of the Caribbean, if he comes in and tries to be on this pirate ship, like those practices don't work on a pirate ship. 
Like, yep. but, but in, in eight months from now, maybe 12, maybe 13 months or, you know, two years from now, we're going to be a Navy and that pirate attitude is not going to work, <laughs> you know? And so it, it changes and that's, that's hard for people to like realize that, but that, that's why we try to choose like dynamic people, but also be like forthright with them and say like, this is what we need now. By the way, disclaimer, this is going to change at this point in time or th- at this, yep. at this stage, you know? So I tell people like right now we're pirates and they're like, oh, I get it. I know what a pirate is. I can do it, but we're going to be a Navy eventually. So just, yep. just keep that in mind. But not, but not permit pirates. No, we're not permit pirates. We don't have to be in where we're at. <laughs> this customer was like, so this customer the other the couple week, a week ago, and they're like, why should I choose you over someone else? And they wanted a lease. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, because we're your only option. <laughs> they go, what? I'm like, well, there's you call as many companies as you want around. No one offers this product in this place. <laughs> so, Boom. <laughs> it was so nice. But yeah. Supply and demand, baby, just like the electric company. Yep. Uh, full monopoly. Uh, unless you're in Texas. 